0: Wine Monk Arizona Wine Podcast by Cody Vladimir Burkett. Hello! Welcome to another podcast for the Arizona Wine Monk. I'm here with my friend Isabel Luna and her silent partner. Greetings. Isabelle works at uh, San Reckoner. If you're into the derby scene, her derby name is Maker. We're exploring a fun and exciting vintage, first of its kind from San Reckoner. This is the 2017 Sangiovese Rose Petnat.
1: Yes. Get ready
0: to pour it. Yeah, I'm I'm working on it. But I gotta do... There
1: we go. (laughs) That's why I said get ready to pour it. (laughs) Yeah. I oh said my to god. Show you Cody. Yeah, she lives. <laughs> it's alive. Very
0: much so. It's alive and super fizzy. Mm-hmm. Oh, that color, oh that color, is, color is beautiful. Right? Isn't that color great? Oh. And I got all over the fuzz on my it's microphone been baptized. <laughs> it's nice.
1: Oh. Oh, it's still. You sure you don't want a glass? Can you pour extra? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Now tip it oh, back beautiful. Slowly. Beautifully. Uh-huh. Nice. And you don't activate it. That's like the perfect. That's the perfect. So, place. I don't
0: have much experience with pouring sparkling wine because this is Arizona. Yeah. And there's only a few makers of sparkling wine in Arizona. Rob Hemlin is part of the illustrious crew of, I think, four. Kim. Rick Sklazden in Chino Valley did a Pinot Noir Rosé Frizzante and a Sparkling Phoenix. Ken Calligan, I yep. think Eridus made one as a one-off for Wine Club. I can't think of anyone else who's... Sonoida has one, but I think it's carbonated in New Mexico. I don't think it's mm. a, a Champagnois or Ancestral Method, which we'll get into in a moment. Yeah. My hands are this covered is, with Sangiovese, which is a terrible thing. The color is beautiful.
1: Yeah, and this is probably the most alive I've seen it's a like, glass in a while, and that's awesome. It looks like fucking liquid so, watermelon. Yeah, <laughs> it's beautiful, beautiful. Cheers. That's great. Mm.
0: It tastes like watermelons too, like strawberry watermelon.
1: It, it's really not a hard sale <laughs> to give to people at the tasting room. They've tried this and it. It's, yeah, people are delighted from the first uh, sip, so it's really nice.
0: So as far as I'm aware, no one in Italy actually makes the sparkling sangiovese, um, which is very surprising to me.
1: This, yeah, this is really, the color on it is phenomenal. Uh, I think matches the desert to our, especially like prickly pear Yeah, its like uh, So
0: Almost has a little bit of prickly pear on the aroma, too. Yeah,
1: just really beautiful. I think it fits in really well with the setting that it comes from. So.
0: so this wine, tell me a little bit about this wine, as well.
1: So this is then um, our 2017 Pet Knot. It is 100% Sangiovese from the San Reckner Vineyard, uh, fermented in bottle and unfiltered. So it's just got this beautiful, like, little bit of cloudiness to it, along with the perfect amount of bubbles, I think, just... It's a very chill wine. I, I think it, it's, like, a, again, not a hard sale. You've just got to try it. Um, I think people just, upon looking at it and the color and what it does in a glass, really gets people going for it. Um, and it's just, I think, perfect for this climate right now. God, yeah,
0: this is a great monsoon-watching wine.
1: Yeah, definitely one you want to open with friends and enjoy right away. Uh, definitely perfect for, like, a... A good group of countries. Yeah, I, what is
0: the ageability on, on Pet Nats? I know champagnes you can lay down for a while. Well, Nats you can't lay down.
1: No, 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 yeah. Um which I is actually part of the
0: we'll get again, we'll we'll talk about the differences and
1: in... I have some that's probably a year old that they previously uh made but uh, didn't sell uh, to the public just because it was so alive that they were worried about things with that uh production getting out so we uh, sold it by the glass, and then there were a few bottles hanging around. I got my hands on a couple. I still have those. I've opened those bottles since then in that past year, and the bottles have still been perfect to pour. So okay. So, I'm thinking a year at least on it. Makes sense. Well, we know that at least a year,
0: because this is 2017 vintage. Yeah, so, so... at least two years.
1: Yeah. So, you could um, you could definitely hold off on this uh, for some good uh, events, some life events, Um But, yeah, it's definitely one to get your hands on right away, too, as we only produced, uh, I think, uh, 30 cases or less. So there's not that much to go around. Our wine club members scored some uh, this shipment, but uh, also people have just been snagging them, like, three at a time at the tasting room. So Yeah, I would
0: have probably bought three to sit on forever because, (laughs) as I was telling you, when you said you were bringing this up and you were coming up today, rather than, you know, I for some reason assumed you were coming up Saturday when I was already... Gonna be on the road to Sanoida. I It's like, well, shit. Let's podcast it because sparkling wine is more than any other wine, and Todd Bostock would disagree with me. Um, his his wonderful quote on wine is, "Wine is meant to be shared, not drunk alone like a creeper." <laughs>
1: <laughs> that sounds like Todd. <laughs> I, I have
0: this mental image of Todd like being scandalized by all my wine reviews where I'm just drinking them all by myself. <laughs>
1: Oh, that like sound
0: like time. Oh, that poor Cody drinking really? off all of his wines
1: alone like it's a okay. fucking creeper he's not drinking alone today it's alright yeah, for, right. for once yeah. because this wine is meant to be shared this is a good this is I don't know this is definitely we don't sell this at the tasting room by uh for tasting uh, but definitely encourage people to buy a bottle enjoy the live music we have available or sit down and enjoy conversation with friends that's really what a lot of people do out there at the tasting room too so it's kind of nice um but yeah, like I said, again, people are just popping in to snag it three at a time. Even myself included. So,
0: It's got this little bit of a yeasty character on the nose, too. Um, yeah. It's like... I always struggle to find the words to describe sparkling wongs. Because I've had so few of them compared to the other stuff that I've imbibed. That it's hard for me to find the words to describe them.
1: I'm not a confident uh, sparkling wine drinker, as well as just because I'm such a huge Arizona wine enthusiast, and that hasn't been a big part of it right now yet. But I think it's coming up. Yeah, I think people are going to realize that you don't
0: have to make it Method champenois or can penois if you're ta- if you're Todd, <laughs> which I'm. I just saw the pictures on Instagram that he picked uh, the grapes for that in the last couple days. Yeah. Riesling and, or no, not Riesling, uh, Chardonnay and Tempranillo. I really hope it's going to be a rosé again like the other years because that was just so pretty. And that was a lighter, paler color than this. Because this honestly is like the same color as a strawberry Starburst. Yeah. Like, honestly. Oh, you need more. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. We
0: don't want to drink the whole of the bottle before I get the photo.
1: No, no, no. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. It's so like it pretty. Keeps... Yeah. Yeah, so I think uh, Rob did a really great job on this, and I really look forward to see what he does uh, in the future with uh, the Pet Knot style. So.
0: This may actually be the first, as far as I'm aware of, uh, Wilcox AVA <sighs> Pet knot. Maybe the first Wilcox sparkling wine. I mean, well, no, no, I guess the, the Campanois was, was partially Wilcox fruit, too. And the green wine last year was... Yeah, that's right. It was Sauvignon Blanc and Chardonnay. Oh, you just
1: reminded me I have green wine left in my collection wine collection. Okay, cool. Yeah. That was a good one.
0: That was. Well, my sonoida can last year, I ended up drinking on the top of the mountain and just chugged it after a hard hike. I didn't even take any notes other than GOOD! DELICIOUS! REFRESHING!
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure those are every single wine note I've ever used on anything. It's always that. Yeah, I love, I don't know. I, yeah, I just love tasting wine. I just, yeah, it's definitely just on a scale of how good they are. It's good, or it's really good, or it's real, real good. Yeah. Petnats are, are, are Petulant
0: naturals. It's a very old style of wine, actually. Uh, uh, the first documented record for this style of wine uh, comes about actually from the Roman author Pliny the Elder. As for all the, the hubbub that you might be hearing the humming and squabbling in the background, we are sitting uh, ringside seat for the hummingbird uh,
1: hummingbird wars. I'm just going to be straight up. It's probably one of the coolest things I've seen in a while. There's definitely like a dozen plus hummingbirds buzzing around And they don't after care that like we're a here. gnarly storm on a it like just a beautiful view of the Verde Valley and it, wow. It's really, really, it's really, I think Cody's underselling it. It's really neat. I don't know. Yeah. We're bird nerds, but yeah, this is really, really neat. They're just buzzing right over our heads. Come on. This is so yeah, unreal. They, they, I told you when, once we sat
0: down, they would not care that we were here.
1: They're so neat. That's awesome.
0: So according to the local lore from one of the AOCs devoted to a pétente Naturel style, or méthode Ancestrale, as it's also known in uh, France. So according to this one particular private wine museum, uh, the process was found accidentally by a Gaelic shepherd. Supposedly, this shepherd was using uh, the cool waters of the Ladrome River to chill a bottle, or um, maybe not a bottle, maybe it was an amphora of local wine. It was forgotten and left there un- under the waters in winter and spring. And then uh, they found that uh, when they picked it up in the spring, it was fizzy. And so, apparently, subsequent to this or- original discovery, the various Gallic tribes of this region would leave jars of the wine in rivers of the winter and recover them in the spring. Uh, which is This description apparently comes from Pliny the Elder. This particular region is the Claret de D. A.O.C., um, in the Rhone Valley region, which is made from a Scott Blanc and um, Claret, which is none of the grapes in this um, blend here. Not blend, actually. Uh, so 100% Wilcox AVA fruit uh, from the San Reckoner Vineyard, which used to be Sunsite's Sunny something vineyard?
1: I'm not too familiar with Back the in name the day. of what the vineyard was before... There's a Robin Sarah acquired it in 2010. Yeah. But I can't remember who.
0: I know mm-hmm. Tim Robbins, when he owned Canelo Hills, uh, made some wines from that, including uh, one of the few barillo type Nebbiolos I've actually ever encountered in Arizona, which was stunning. Yeah? That uh, was a, I want to say that was 2009. And I had it in like 2015. So that aged beautifully. Nice. I mean, it wasn't like a Barolo in some. Anyway, I'm rambling. As any podcaster, or as any podcast with me goes, uh, the only reason why my shorter podcast "Make America Great Again" is less wandering is because it has a specific time limit, and this one doesn't ever. Oh. Usually. It's so whenever we decide to, yeah, we're done. Let's let's drink. <laughs> Or let's drink something else that's not Arizona, and so we can't talk about it on the podcast, or we're going to drink something super secret. I don't have anything super secret right now. this is my super secret arsenal right now. Ah, This is fucking delicious.
1: Yeah. How much are they selling this for a bottle? $35 a bottle. It's not bad. It's a steal. I'm sorry, I think, like, I just, it's a great bottle price on that. I don't think it's... Yeah, I don't yeah. I
0: don't really know the prices of the other bottling wines in Arizona to compare offhand.
1: Well, also, I think Pet knots usually range from, like, $30 to $40. Yeah. So, for Arizona Pet knots, Yeah, like, that's actually right price. in the ballpark yeah.
0: of the price it should be.
1: But that's I why I'm just like, get,
0: you gotta get your hands on it. <laughs> I I don't know if this bugs you as much as it bugs me, but when... I'm tired of seeing, like, special Arizona wines, like priced differently because they're like oh it's like the special ed kid uh in stores or something when it should be priced for how good it is like uh uh, one example that comes to mind immediately um that doesn't follow this trend is also sangiovese you tried it today yeah you have a bottle of it
1: yep
0: it's priced the same as you would be paying in total wine for an equivalent Brunello di Monticino, 80 bucks That's what you're going to be paying for a good quality Brunello Monticino from Brunello. You know, it's not like, oh, we need to make this bottle less because it's the special kitty corner in Arizona, the special ed section. Yeah. Um, Which is why if I ever do a bottle shop as one of my 50 different plans for if I win 50 bajillion dollars, which will never happen, obviously. I want to do a a wine shop where if you want to find a Sangiovese from Arizona, you go to the Sangiovese section. There's not a special secret section for Arizona, or even a special open section for Arizona. Right. It's just you want a fucking Arizona San Giovese? you go to the San Giovese section. You want an and Arizona Malbecia, you go to the Arizona that white section. You go to the white shit.
1: That would you know? be the greatest. I would. Oh god, that'd be the. best. It's
0: not like the special ad situation where you see in like Arizona Wine Company or, or even Hidden Track Bottle Shop or. Uh, Total Wine, where, oh my god, most of the Arizona Wines, Total Wine, are special. They do belong in the special ed section. There, I said it. There are exceptions. <laughs> Sam, don't yell at me. No, Because yeah. I, I can see Sam going, like, what do you mean my wine's going in special ed? It's like, no, Sam, they don't.
1: No, but it definitely, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. the availability of that stuff and where it's, where it's at, too. Yeah, it's definitely a bummer and I would definitely enjoy more so of an existence where if I went to a wine section, I went to the reds and could find at least that's how I'm, that's how broad I'm being is just an Arizona red. Like give me that at least in a section or an Arizona white. Um, I don't know, but then again, I'm, I'm kind of biased cause I've been drinking this wine yeah. for seven years. So it's no, like, I this is you. what I enjoy, and the fact that I can't find what I enjoy when it's locally sourced, locally... Yeah, and it pisses me off so much that I just, there aren't out. many restaurants
0: that have it either.
1: Yeah, so that's why I always make it a point I too. mean, I
0: know it's the price point that you can't make enough to to do, like,
1: a... Well, no, not only that, I'm not even saying, like, bring San Reckoner into it. I'm just saying, like, at least bring some sort of Arizona wine option... Or locally sourced options that isn't provisioner. Saying that either. I will.
0: (laughs) For those of you listening, you probably got how much I don't really care for most of the provisioner label from the hot sauce uh, and wine pairing podcast, or as Gary and I called it, the podcast of pain. I will say I like the idea. I like the idea of provisioner of making an affordable Arizona wine that can be in restaurants. Genius! It's great.
1: Better, but don't a, source a, it from better, Fort Bowie. Yeah. yeah for one, although Fort better, Bowie is no longer in
0: existence, but just because you want to make it cheap doesn't have to make it taste cheap. Uh, also, because I'm probably just, gonna get I'm, some
1: flack for that, but and I, I'm not saying anything either. But like, also at the same time, I would I. That's why I recommend people to certain ta- to certain wineries or certain winemakers, like you really need to try these people's wines. This is the direction you need to go yeah. because I feel like they see that bottle price and they see that as an option. And I, on my personal experience, I don't want that to be the first impression that they get of yeah. Arizona wine. If that is the first impression they get. So that's yeah. why I do like, no, I will say that out and wine taste people like get out there and taste all them wines everywhere. You're going to find something you like, but yeah, don't fall for like price bottle price and stuff yeah. like that wine like, is one yeah. of the few things where
0: you more or less do get what you pay for up to a point i will say you know past about a hundred and a hundred dollars i i don't really see much of a difference but there's a huge difference yeah. between a ten dollar provisioner and say uh, equivalent blend at sand or what would be the x or the row
1: twenty five dollars like there's a huge talking, difference like, yeah a huge difference in
0: quality a huge difference in taste Um, I will say, though, that I do appreciate and like, actually, and would have drunk willingly, the Provisioner White in restaurants. Yeah. The white is good. Um, It has that Malvasia, which I think really shines in Arizona. Malvasia rules. You know, it's got a a good medium-bodied white blend. The (laughs) Columbard provides the body. The Malvasia provides the aromatics. The Pinot Grigio provides the, the acidity. But the red, dear God, the Provisioner Red... It's sad and pathetic, like most of my exes. It really is.
1: Oh. All the things I'm holding back. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Spill Cheers. it.
0: Spill it. No. Cheers. I can Cheers. turn I, it off, and then you can spill. No,
1: I get it. <laughs> I get it. And like I said, there's just... I've been... Yeah. And I and that's why I enjoy the job I that I have. Because yeah. I get to help steer people in the right direction, rather than letting them just kind of... You yes. know, they come yeah, they come to San Rekner and they're like, I didn't know about Arizona wine, tell me more. And I'm like, Here you go. You need to go to Calligan you need to go to Rune, you need to hit Up Caduceus, you need to go to Mercinosaria <laughs> at least. You've got to hit Chateau, you gotta hit Passion. Thank you. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I no, I recommend that too, just because all the same names, like they're they're easy to yeah. access to, especially in the wine magazines yeah. and in advertisements, it's way easy to point people in the right direction. Yeah. It's just making sure like now with as many wineries as pop are popping up, and labels and yeah, and it's names getting to the, the point where up. almost
0: I can't keep track of it, and I'm supposed to exactly. be the guy. Well, I'm not supposed to be, but I am the guy that kind of keeps track of this stuff.
1: And I used to be kind of that person too. For a hot second, I was like on top of everything, but I can't be anymore, especially with like with focusing on my job and and the vineyard that I work for and everything. Speaking of. Yeah. Uh, you're getting ready for harvest.
0: So what's go, all going into the process of prepping for, for harvest?
1: Well, right now, actually, more recently in the vineyard, what we did was uh, go through the Zin. Uh, the Zin seems to cluster up pretty gnarly. Yeah, uh,
0: Zin is definitely a clusterfuck, literally, yes. in Arizona.
1: <laughs> I That's what I totally thought, while, like, uh, <laughs> taking care of it. I was like, this is a literal clusterfuck. I have seen it. Um, yeah, no, so... Recently going through the Zen, uh, I recently uh, went through the vineyard and took care of like retraining some Malvasia, uh, just uh, checking on the Sagrantino, making sure that's all pulled back. We did netting on the Malvasia Bianca, which was awesome. Uh, We did netting on pretty much 80%, 75%, I don't want to say too much, of the vineyard when I last was out there a few days ago. I am on uh, pre-harvest vacation right now, so... Thoroughly enjoying wine and stuff right now. But getting ready to jump in at harvest, we're going to do some bottling uh, right away. And What's going to be bottled? To... I have no idea. I feel like we just did a, a bunch of bottling recently. We did stuff for uh, specifically for a, a distributor quench. Uh, we did like an R blend or W blend. We bottled some Malvasia. Uh, I was recently, I did the Pet Knot. That was just recently released within the month. Um, we did all of our rosés, bottling and labeling, uh, and got those released in the past couple months. So it's just been all kinds of stuff. Trying to make room in that, wine, yeah, that exactly. little winery to Speaking get of through Speaking of room,
0: when is the Sagrantino going to be up for sale?
1: I do not know yet.
0: That is... Cause I,
1: you, were you at the AVA Symposium? I was at the AVA Symposium. And That's right. I'm, I got pictures of us there. I never there. forgot about how much you talked about... That uh sagrantino i've had barrel tastings of it i don't know i think those were bottled barrel samples yeah and then i think he's got more on deck but uh the bottle that yeah i've been waiting i don't know what he's doing with that there's a blend a new two blend out with sagrantino in it but i hope
0: that it's not all of it i I want it as a single varietal
1: no right (laughs) i definitely it was
0: hilarious because Everyone else at my table, well, not everyone else, but everyone, almost like two-thirds of the table was like, oh my god, this is so tannic, I can't stand this, and I'm just like sucking it down, like, this is fucking amazing! Fuck yeah, Sagrantino! you Sagrantino, bitches! Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag. And
1: so I was drunk by noon. And the thing is, is that I think everybody's Sagrantino. And I think now it. my relationship with Sagrantino is that I've been like maintaining, helping maintain those past rows in the vineyard. So like my relationship with it is more like, God damn it, Sagrantino! Like why do you grow so crazy? Or like why are you doing so well in this row? Why aren't you doing well in this row? So it's definitely different than like tasting it and such. So I have a different like whole like. Yeah, you, you work with the vines. With I, I mostly, I'm yeah.
0: tasting these things and
1: but after I, the fact. I think you should, I think it should just be bottled as a
0: varietal. I agree. I you, you can say that louder. <laughs> They're not going to fire you.
1: <laughs>
0: she says it should be bottled as a single varietal. <laughs> I am in agreement. This is hashtag wine monk approved.
1: <laughs> hashtag, yeah. That's awesome. No, yeah. No, I've, I was a huge fan of San and wine before I worked for them, and I am—I've maintained that fangirldom. Yeah, and I—I I just really realized my biggest major
0: fandom, other than Lord of the Rings, is the Arizona wine scene. That too, yeah.
1: <laughs> I nerd out, and it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It drives it drives my friends probably crazy. I don't know. Well, I me. don't know, but at the tasting room, it comes in handy. People really love. Yeah hearing about that just especially when they don't understand that the industry is thriving out here and that that there there's something really beautiful happening I don't know it's really it's that's why I love the tasting that's my medium from yeah. the vineyard to like hey this is what's happening in your community locally you should really check it out because it's super amazing the wine's are phenomenal, and I really think you should give them a try. And it's super fun to blow people's minds. That yeah. is what, like, oh, my gosh, about my job at the tasting room, like bringing people in to taste Arizona wines and them leaving being like, hey, I've never, I never thought that I would really like something like this or a varietal like this or I don't like white wines, and today, like, I I bought, love that. You know? Invariably,
0: I get that co- uh, that comment so often. And my normal retort to that is when they say, "Oh, I only like X color or I don't like Y color," is, "Oh, so you're a wine racist?" (laughs) (laughs) And then they're like, "So (laughs) you're a bigot." (laughs) And then I usually go, "All wines matter," which you you know.
1: I mean, they're all like I don't know. At least out here, I like I came from nothing. I had no. No experience wine drinking. Arizona wine is literally the foundation of wine drinking that I've had. I've definitely explored other stuff, but I am so biased to this region just because I really think there is something really beautiful and really special happening out here. So that's why Agreed. I think what San Reckoner, what Rob Hemelman does, and what's so important about this pet knot is these are just constant, like, milestones and steps towards the future of what Arizona has to offer in wine. And it's phenomenal. Like, I really think, like, yeah, people should just be getting in on this as soon as possible. Like, you got to try Arizona wine. So you one last question before
0: them. we lose all of the and because you I still need yeah. to do photography. If you can make a dream pet nat, what varietals and wine, what would you call it?
1: Ooh, a dream pet nat. Well... Malvasia Bianca, I think, would be an awesome pet nye, yeah. And I don't think that's too far off the horizon. What I would call it, oh, man. I don't even know. I don't even know. I've already had trouble enough uh, trying to come up with what I would call my own vineyard or my own, like, line of wine. So I don't know what I would call my pet nye, But my dream varietal would be, like, a Malvasia done on that just straight up. And I think having Rob do it would be ideal, but... I think
0: another grape that would do well, and this is not my dream, um, but along with Malvasia, I think uh, Peekopool would make a really fun Ooh, pet nat. too. that would be super fun. But uh, my dream response, or my dream uh, pet nat, would be either made from Sagrantino or Tanat, not as a rosé, full-on black, and it would be called Sparkle Goth.
1: And I fully support that. <laughs> I think that is so, since super apparently that
0: awesome. is probably the the main category of goth that I would Oh my god that I myself would be considered by my most people on the goth subculture.
1: I mean it really it took me I would take it to
0: all the almost parties. thirty years to realize that I'm actually a goth.
1: It took me that long too. And then I'm
0: just like, oh well shit, okay. <laughs>
1: I went through a really heavy goth phase when I was younger, and then I think I came full circle to it and found it back. And I'm like, this is this is just who I am. I mean, I, so, I
0: know I'm clearly not a Visigoth or an Ostrogoth because I haven't sacked Rome <laughs> or Constantinople yet, but
1: <laughs> I'm just a sad goth over here. So, or or, or Arizona back. Gothic. Arizona. gothic. Well, but anyway, that's yeah, Sparkle Goth.
0: Sparkle Goth. Yes. yes <laughs> cheers. Drink Arizona.